Stories from the Honky Moon Café Written and read by Barclay Johnson The Milkman It was while Paul Goggin in our village shop was stacking milk into his chiller that prompted me to ask him if milk bottles were still delivered. In fact, do they still exist? Not round here they don't, he told me. Continuing my shopping, I thought I could remember when I was in Bristol the chink of bottles being put on doorsteps, but that might be my false memory. Certainly, in my childhood in South London, milk was delivered every morning, except Sundays, and with a carton of cream, if you'd ordered it the day before. I was probably the last generation to have milk at school, metal crates with serried ranks of small bottles, perhaps a third of a pint, in the shade of a school entrance waiting for morning playtime. To each child, a healthy gift, along with a straw, it was the highlight of the morning, until Margaret Thatcher decided we were all far too healthy to need it. When I mentioned this to Paul, he said it was she that abolished the milk marketing board during his father's time deregulating milk production so anyone could sell it, supermarkets and all. He told me that when the board controlled it, the farmers got a decent price, and so did the housewife. Now he reckons the price is driven down so much, the farmers get less per pint than it costs to produce. Free market, more like a free-for-all, he moaned. But you get to sell it, I pointed out. True, I get lots of trade by people coming in just for a pint of milk and leaving with a basket for, well... I says a pint, look at this, and he showed me a small carton of milk. Is that a pint? Ah, but don't look like it, not like it did when it was in a glass bottle. I only sells them to those who wants a drink like. Few bother with such a small amount as these they buy. And he points at the four pinters he's stacking. I asked around a bit, and when I saw Jean helping out in the pub one evening, it was she who remembered the old milk float, the first experience most people had of electric vehicles. But before that, she told me, I can remember the milkman coming round with horse and cart. That was when we lived at Ridge Farm. Remember, I was 14 when we moved into Shipston, and it was the co-op then that supplied the milk, and all the milk flokes were plugged in round the back, (laughs) just like pigs at a trough. The more Jean talked about the milkman, the more memories came back to her. Our mum would give us the cream off the top. That's if the blue tits hadn't got their first mind. I suppose these days you'd have to throw it away, health and safety. But then we didn't mind to us only little birds. What am could they do? Just shows, doesn't it? Sometimes in hot weather, the milk was already off and my mother would leave it to separate before she'd make curd cheese, hanging it up in the kitchen in a muslin until all the way had drained out. She weren't going to waste it. <laughs> Jean called how, over time, competition with shops, especially supermarkets, began to impact the milk round. When more and more families possessed a car, they could do the whole week's shopping, including milk, and then, with refrigerators, the week's supply of milk could be bought in one go, and not go off. As a special treat, we could have chocolate-flavoured milk, or strawberry or banana, my favourite, but we'd have to leave a note out. As more people got cars, they'd drive to a supermarket and wherever else they wanted to go. I think we'd moved out by the time the co-op stopped delivering to the village. They carried on in Shipston for a few years, though. But poor old Connie's milk round got smaller and smaller till it weren't worth it. What did she do then? She? Oh, 
Oh, no, Connie, he was, he was a bloke. I think his real name was Constantine. He were Polish. He'd been a pilot during the war. Spitfires, I think. When I didn't have to go to school, I'd hear the milk bottles clinking and I'd be up and out like a shot, asking Connie if I could help. He'd beckon me over and I'd hop into the cab because there weren't no doors. Well, while he was delivering, I'd be sorting out the bottles. I'd keep an eye on the milk in case the kids pinch some little buggers. There was a few places in the village he'd be gone for quite a long time. When I asked Jean why it was he stopped for so long at some addresses, she just shrugged her shoulders. Milkmen have had a reputation, and I have no idea whether it is deserved or not. But when one is confronted with what is perceived to be their stereotypical behaviour, you wonder if there's some truth in it. I asked Jean if he ever said why some deliveries took so long. Well, he might say that somebody needed a hand with something, or uh, her bill was due and she couldn't find her purse. Sometimes it might be she just offered him something he liked. Such as? Wow, cup of tea? Slice of cake? Jean's broad smile hardly convinced me she really thought that was it. I asked her what he was like. I only ever saw him with his cap on, but he had reddish hair and a round, open face, always a smile. He had a bit of a twitch to his left eye, which made you think he was winking at you. You've never seen him since? No, the co-op in Shepston moved, and the old building was demolished to make way for a new estate. That was the last of the milk floats. I expect he's in home for a retired milkman. Hope so. He was a lovely man. Jean pointed out several houses where Connie, the milkman, lingered most. I was curious and wanted to put to bed the idea that milkmen were opportunist Lotharios and maybe just had a social conscience and helped if the need occurred. With Jean at school age, Rachel, with her access to the census database, could quickly identify the inhabitants when Connie was doing the rounds. One inhabitant was an elderly gent who moved to a care home not long after. Three others were women living on their own, a schoolteacher and two widows whose husbands had both died during the Second World War. That was as much as we could find out. Connie hadn't moved in, or the ladies run off with the milkman. So, hardly a story. Until Rachel turned up with a name. Konstantin Vyordish Pradzulich an employee of the Shipston Co-op, before and after the time when Jean's family left Ridge Farm, registered as a milk delivery operative. His employment ceased, as Jean had surmised, when the Co-op stopped delivering milk. Jean, recalling Connie, the milkman, possibly being a pilot, was true. During the Battle of Britain, aircrew were recruited from all over the world, the popular myth of the British standing alone against the might of Hitler's Germany is exactly that, a myth. British air supremacy was essential if an invasion was to be avoided. Without that, the forces ranged against Britain would have been unstoppable. In the vanguard of the British defence were the fighter pilots, constantly repelling attacks from German bombers accompanied by fighters, decorating the south coast with vapour trails of aerial dogfights. Supreme amongst those defending us in the air were squadrons 302 and particularly 303, 
the most successful fighter command unit in the Battle of Britain. Both were Polish fighter units. Amongst the 303 pilots listed is a Konstantin Predzulic. Air Chief Marshal Sir Hugh Dowding, who led fighter command, said that without the Polish contribution, the result of the Battle of Britain may not have been the same. Researching Polish associations, especially those connected with the war, Rachel found some more information on Connie, our milkman. He had regularly reported to hostels in and around West London, being mostly homeless and living on the streets since leaving the West Country. One frosty November morning, unconscious and suffering from hypothermia, he was taken into hospital, where he died the following day. All he had on him, of any note, was a postcard. The postcard was a photograph of our village, one of those that Paul still sells. The card was creased and well-worn, the ink had run, making it illegible, except for it being signed, Your Son. One story ends, and another one begins. <laughs>